Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hello, everybody. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of the infamous No Hassle Newsletters, author of these six books, which I'm going to tell you how you can get for free, part of my legacy building program. But for the last 10 years, I keep saying 10 years, I think it's actually 11 now, I'm actually the host of this podcast, Dream Business Radio. And I have a really special guest today, Dr. Eric Recker. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. We're, we're, it's going to be a great interview, folks. I even told him I'm going to keep you five minutes. That's how I, I know we're going to just hit it off famously, as they say. But this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. If you're an entrepreneur, small business owner who wants to grow a more profitable business faster, and especially if you're interested in learning how to create multiple streams of revenue, something I'm very good at, you want to be part of this group which is led by me. It's a virtual mastermind. You can learn more at dreambizcoaching, dreambizcoaching.com. Speaking of multiple streams of revenue, uh, be sure to get a copy of my latest ebook. This is number seven, by the way, uh, released about a month ago, where I share in detail. It's about a 21-page uh, PDF downloadable report. In 21 pages, I tell you exactly how I went from one business, grew that to 300,000, and then ultimately had six businesses. I'm down to three now because I'm sort of looking toward that exit ramp. <laughs> anyway, I tell you exactly how I created all these different revenue streams. Um, you can get a free copy at createmultiplestreamsofrevenue.com, createmultiplestreamsofrevenue.com. All right, let's take that down. Where's my generic? It's, I ought to, I really ought to hire a, a director because I'm doing way too, way too many things here. Anyway, let me introduce Eric, and we will we will uh, jump right into what's going to be a great conversation. Eric Recker, actually Dr. Eric Recker, he's been a dentist since 2002. He's led a team, or I think probably still leading a team of 18, 18 people. And while he still loves being a dentist after 20 years, um, Pretty much like the rest of the country, I think it was March 17th or 18th of 2020, due to the pandemic, a word I hope we can stop saying sometime soon, he had to close his practice, send his team home, not knowing when we'd be back. Um, Eric has a new book out, which I'm going to be talking about, but in his book, he, he writes, it was very surreal, it was agonizing, it was stressful, it created tremendous fear and uncertainty. I hated it, I cried, I felt sorry for myself. I think that describes most business owners <laughs> during that point. Anyway, um, Eric is married uh, for, to Amy for 26 years. Like me, Eric says, I married up. That's true. He has two sons. And now Eric is a little bit of an underachiever. So instead of, instead of no, not instead of, in addition to being a dentist, he's traveled 12 countries, 46 states. He became a pilot along the way. He climbed uh, Kilimanjaro. He's done Ironman triathlons. And he's even done, this is really dear to my heart, he's done mission trips to Haiti and Guatemala with his uh, dentistry. And um, I could go on and on, but I know you want to hear more from Eric than me. So, Eric, once again, welcome to Dream Business Radio. It's, it's really great to have you here. Boy, after an introduction like that, <laughs> let's go, man. I'm I know, excited. Right? So, first of all, it seems um, 
It, what's going to be apparent to uh, the people watching, it seems like we've known each other a long time. We actually met six weeks ago, but I think, you know, sometimes in life you're, you're just blessed to be connected with certain people and, and you click right away, which I think we, we click pretty good. I'm a, I'm already a big fan. I admire your story and your career and, and what you've done. Um, so I'm excited to introduce you to my audience. So did I cover any, is there anything I, I left out in, in that glorious introduction? Boy, I think that that covers it pretty well. So you, you might say that I've uh, I've tried to bite off more than I can chew a few times. Yeah. Well, you're a dentist, so I'm sure you can take care of that. By the yeah. way, he, folks, he's in his dental office. I said, are you in your home basement? Because I see shuffleboard and everything else. But Eric, with a team of 18, that's their go fun place. Um, so, Eric, I definitely want to ask you about your new book, The False Sense of Urgency and How to Win the Now. Win the Now is how I promoted your uh, appearance here, but let's unpack a little bit of your backstory. Did you know growing up, you always wanted to be a dentist or, you know, what got you on that path? Yeah. So, uh, my dad is a dentist, was a dentist, okay. he retired several years ago. And so everybody thought that would be the logical path for me, but it's not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to actually be a physical therapist. So oh. I went to university of Iowa and started down that track a little bit the first semester. I struggled with freshman chem. Uh, oh, still get a little upset stomach thinking about that. And <laughs> and actually went to an all-day meeting about physical therapy. And you could write anonymous questions at lunch. And after lunch, they would answer those questions. And it said, the, the question I asked, because I was worried about the grade I was going to get in chemistry, was, can you get into physical therapy with a C in Chem 1. And the guy about fell off his podium talking. <laughs> and at that point, I knew that I had to uh, to make some other decisions. So ironically, that uh, all-day meeting about physical therapy was in the dental school. So I started walking around the dental school a little bit after I walked out of there and decided that I needed to go back and actually talk with my dad about what he did why he liked what he did. What was it about dentistry for him? And to him, it was, he enjoyed the procedures, but he loved the people, oh. loved his patients, loved the long-term relationships that he built, loved the freedom and flexibility that he could get if he wanted to go to one of our baseball games during the day, or if he wanted to do any number of things, he was in charge of his schedule. And that really appealed to me. I had no idea how much the relationship piece of it was going to appeal to me. Mm -hmm. But honestly, that's the part that's kept me going. I This morning, I had multiple conversations with people who have been my patients for over 20 years. Wow. And I've gotten to walk through a lot of life with them. And to me, I don't know about you, Jim, but I know no greater gift than being able to walk through life with people with deep relationships. And I, I absolutely love it. It really is powerful. The The dentists that we have now, we've had, pro well, probably at least 15 years. I think we were actually, I was part of a chamber of commerce way back when. And I think we we were um, patient number six. I mean, he's got like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients, but we've been with him. That, so he's seen us go through the four kids. Some of my kids still go to him. So he's watched us through all that time. Uh, it's interesting that um, the relationships, which I get on a, on a personal level with yourself, but it also strikes me odd that most people hate going to the dentist. <laughs> like, you know, it's not fun going to the dentist in most cases. So it's probably a little bit of, of work on the um, part of yourself, the doctor. 
to, to yeah. make those relationships happen. Yeah, it's interesting. When I was writing uh, my admissions essay for dental school, I had my mom read it after I wrote it. And she said, there's one sentence you got to take out of there. Uh, and I said, I want to make it as fun as possible for people to come to see a dentist. Mm. And my mom said, people aren't, you, you shouldn't put that in your, in your essay because people don't like to go to the dentist. They're never going to like to go to the dentist. And my goal has always been to make this as pleasant of an experience as possible. There are some tough things that we have to do. There's some potentially yeah. uncomfortable things we have to do. But I hope that the relationship piece and the fact that people feel at home in our office can help overcome some of that stuff. So I've always tried hard to live towards that. How can we make something that people aren't looking forward to? How can we make that as, as good of an experience as possible? Um, so as a self-described recovering triathlete, <laughs> you've even competed at the Ironman level, which freaks me out. Mountain climber, you have a deep passion to help people serve others, which is just one reason I think we, we hit it off so well, Eric. How do you find time for such a, I mean, you've grew a very successful practice, right? How do you find time to do all of that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think uh, I just didn't realize what burnout was. And so I kept adding things to my plate. So okay. if we go back a little bit, I have a history of being bullied when I was in elementary school. I dreaded going to school. Mm. I didn't want to face those kids that at recess were not going to let me play kickball. Okay. So in my home, small hometown in Iowa, in second and third grade, recess kickball was life. I mean, it was life. And when you were told that you weren't good enough to play a mm. number of times, you started to believe that. So I, I didn't start off thinking I was going to do Ironman triathlon. I ran a 5k and that wasn't enough. And I ran a 10k and then a, and then a half marathon and then a marathon. And then I started dabbling in triathlon and it just kept going and kept going all the way up to the Ironman race. I feel like in some ways, I was still trying to prove to those bullies that I was good enough. Wow. And so there was a season of my life where I was training for an Ironman triathlon, uh, which is 20 to 24 hours a week. I was on three different boards. I was I had just bought the practice from my dad and I was building a new office and I was coaching both of my kids in soccer and I was doing all that at the same time. I would not recommend that to anyone else. And so it led to a tremendous period of burnout. So mm -hmm. I was pretty bad at saying no, because I felt like I needed to say yes to everything for people to accept me. And so now I realized that through that triathlon, that there wasn't going to be a finish line that was going to get me what I was looking for. And so that's why I'm a recovering triathlete, because ah. I know that, you know, 800 to a thousand hours worth of triathlon training during a year is just too much for me. And it's likely to get you some sore knees later on in life besides, right? Yeah, Doing all exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, the, the part about bullying and um, what it makes me think of is I've talked to like literally I've done over 500 interviews just on this show, but um, the, the number of people who have achieved a lot of success had this history of either being told no, not necessarily bullying, although don't know, but being told no, oh, that's just, you're not going to do that, right? And sometimes it comes from 
within our own families. Like I tell my clients, you know, one of the worst people to go to for advice is your family, unless you've got successful entrepreneurs as family members, because whether it's your parents, maybe even your spouse or siblings or whatever, people want to protect you from getting hurt. Oh, don't, that's very risky. Don't do that. Right. So, you know, we get told no sometimes and we want to go out and prove them wrong, which seems that was kind of the, the genesis. Not, not that bullying is good, but maybe that was the, the impetus is what I think you're saying to, to being an overachiever. Yeah. And I think we have a couple options when we're bullied. Mm -hmm. One of those is that we can plateau. We can think that this is as good as I'm going to get. We can start to believe that truth or we can take it as a challenge which I think in some ways can be healthy, or we can way overshoot it like I did. And we can make a pact. I, I remember telling myself when I was in third grade, I am going to be so freaking good at everything that nobody is not going to pick me. Wow. And I still feel, and you know, what's crazy is those bullies moved on from us probably very shortly after they were picking on us, mm -hmm. but that sticks with us. And a lot of it's good. I owe a lot of my success to being driven. I just overshot it by quite a ways. Yeah. Um, so anyway, p people have been watching the uh, watching these interviews for a long time. They know I, I'm probably one of the, the handful of guests, I won't say a few, that actually uh, do research in preparation. So I was doing a lot of research this morning, actually. And I was like, gosh, a pilot, Kilimanjaro does, you know, all these different things. But I also came across, I think it was on your website, which is uh, ericrecker.com, everybody, ericrecker.com. You can see his name there. Um, I came across a list of things you no longer do. I've never seen that before on somebody's web. By the way, here's some things I no longer do. I, I might have to borrow that from you. But you no longer dread Mondays. You no longer live in fear. Um, you no longer look at your business numbers daily. Instead, you focus on the people. I'm trying to get myself not to look at our portfolio daily. It's kind of stupid to do that. And I know that. And you no longer put unrealistic expectations on yourself. And, and you said, if I understand this correctly, you set intentional boundaries. I just think I just named four. Pick one or two of those and tell us why you no longer do those. Yeah, I, I would say let's go with Mondays because Mondays were paralyzing for me. And I think a lot of it had to do with the bullying. I didn't want to go to school. Mm. And so that carried into high school, that carried into college, uh, that carried into the workplace in a big way. There were times that I literally would not sleep Sunday night. People are like, oh, you mean you got a couple hours of sleep? No, I, I, I wouldn't sleep. And so I would just come in and just feel like the weight of the world was upon me. And so I actually have done talks about overcoming the paralyzing fear of Mondays because that's what it was to me. Are you saying, Eric, you're saying late as a dentist or way before this, like in school or? So I'd struggle with sleep in school, but, okay. but with when I was a dentist, especially mm. early on, there would be nights I wouldn't sleep. Uh, just I had, I battled imposter syndrome like crazy that there was going to be a point where people were going to find out I didn't know what I was uh. doing. Even though I was, I did great in school, I, I was very successful, I've gotten advanced degrees, all of that kind of stuff, but I was sure that people were going to figure out that I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Or that you got a C in chemistry, right? I did not get a C in chemistry. <laughs> I rallied like a maniac. I got a B in that class and I all right. <laughs> there you go. That's great. Um, um, so, uh, but one of the things that I, 
I had a realization when I was, so I'd get to work and my office is kind of set up uh, in an oval. And so I would get here ridiculously early some Mondays. I'd be here at 4 a.m. sometimes. You mm. can't sleep. You finally just get up. But I would walk that that oval and uh, faith is super important to me. So I would pray as I was walking around the oval. Mm-hmm. And one of the realizations that just hit me like a freight train was you cannot be everything to everybody. And the amount of peace that I found when I realized that I cannot fix everything that everyone walks into the door here with. I cannot fix the things that my employees are going through. I cannot fix this thing that's broken in our office that I don't know how to fix. I just can't be everything to everybody. Once I realized that, that my role is to support people where they're at, but not necessarily have to always have all the answers, the amount of pressure that that took off was huge. Wow. It was massive. That was one of the biggest realizations I've ever had in my life. And then, and then also understanding that, that part of the reason that I struggled so much on, on Sundays is that I didn't have a very good routine in getting ready for the week. I was just allowing myself to be overly busy, feeling like I had to be super productive on Sundays. And now as much as possible, Sundays are a day of rest at our house. We do a lot of reading. Yeah. We, uh, we play some games. We maybe, maybe go to a movie, go for a walk, stuff like that. But it is it is restorative type of activities that help get us ready for the week. Um, I, so I, I create memes all the time. And one of the memes I created a few years ago when we were on the boat is um, a day wasted is wait, a, a, a day when you shoot, I, I'm going to mess it up. But uh, a day wasting uh, wasting a day is not a day wasted or something cl- clever like that, yeah. <laughs> because I I very much like you, although I never climb Kilimanjaro, but I was like 80 hours a week for at least 10 years, building all these businesses, chasing, you get here and it's like, well, let's do it again. And just, and I came to a point where I realized I don't want to do this for another 10 years. That kind of set me on the whole dream business path. However, then we were living on the boat and that's when I started working three days a week. And I'm like, we didn't do anything. I think I just sat on this boat and I went from this position to this position, watching the sunrise and the sunset or boats go by. And I had this, I will honestly tell people I had a little bit of, um, uh, guilt associated with that. And then, you know, a mentor of mine said, you know, how hard you work to be able to do that. You you've earned it. Right. So do it. It's one day, by the way, we're supposed to, we're supposed to rest and recover on, on the seventh day. So I really appreciate that. Um, the, the other thing, which I think rang true for me when I was reading that about you, Eric, was when I was an employee and, you know, most of my life working for somebody else, um, I, I kind of dreaded Mondays too. Not that I had a horrible job, but once I became an entrepreneur and I started having some success, I was like on fire. It's Sunday. Oh, great. <laughs> you know, Monday's next. Cause I wanted to get back to it. Cause I tried hard to, you know, have Monday or Sunday be a family day. But um, I guess that's, um, you know, it, 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 re- it really is all about perspective. Um, the other thing I want to She's three twenty already. I knew this was going to be great, so I got to speed up my own thought here. Um, Eric, one of the things I also do when I'm researching for a guest is I go look at your blog. You have a wonderful blog, again, folks, EricRacker.com. But um, I want to uh, name out a, a um, or talk about a couple uh, blog posts. You one was a question we must all face, right? Um, 
what is that question you're talking about? You're gonna have to you're gonna have to refresh me. I've written written. Oh, uh, I know yeah. that. And is it worth worrying about? I think that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah, put you on the no, spot. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Um, you know what's really cool? So through a, a long series of experiment of of experiences, I very nearly sold my dental practice and walked away. Mm. I was I was super close to it. We actually had a practice broker that was going to come down and talk to one of my associates and we were going to make this happen. And I probably was going to walk away from dentistry. I was just so torched. I didn't see another way out. Well, through through a series of events that that just didn't work out and, and he's not with us anymore. But I was able to step back and figure out what I really wanted and so now I have a partner in my practice. I've sold half my practice to him. So we are co-owners of the practice. Nice. And one of the questions that I challenged him with, and he challenges me back with, is that question. Is this worth worrying about? There's always something that's going to come up in our day. When we have 18 people and we have a full schedule of patients and the amount of dental equipment we have and all of that, every single day, there is going to be something. Mm -hmm. So the questions with the some things that pop up, is this worth worrying about? And if it's worth worrying about, is it really worth worrying about? Or what is one small but significant step we can take towards resolving it so that we don't have to worry about it anymore? And when I was running the practice by myself, I got killed by worry. I really did. I had stuff that I didn't know what to do with. It would run around in my head. Now the two of us, we put our heads together and we figure out a solution instead of sitting here and stewing about it and worrying about it. And so yeah. entrepreneurs can be very isolated. They really can. They think they, they built this thing by themselves and they feel like they have to get everything figured out on their own. But the reality is, and Jim, you and I know this even after talking together we're better because better people because we know each other yes and if we're not in relationship with people and we don't have people that we can come to with those things that we're worried about then they just fester in our heads and and worry is just it's just an awful thing and it really is something that you can either do about it or someone else can look at it from a different lens and help you figure out the next step and you don't have to worry about it anymore and that's really powerful so I, I know you're a man of faith. And um, one of the things I learned, because I, I spent probably the last two or three years working in that same area, because I find myself thinking about things. And um, it's interesting that uh, actually in the Bible, it says, don't worry. I don't want you in, in some way, shape or form. The message is don't worry. And it appears 365 times throughout the Bible. I'm like, are you kidding me? So one for every day of the year, don't worry. You're not supposed to worry. Right. So I, I thought yes. that was pretty powerful. Anyway, it, it is um, your most recent blog post. And I'm, I'm going to jump to the book is flipping the script, which talks about the prevalence of negativity. So give us a you know two minute version of that. Yeah. So we we are uh, we are inundated with negativity. It is negativity is downhill sledding. Um, if you're in a cooler climate, it's, uh, it's riding a, a raft right down the whitewater. It's, uh, it's the easier path. Mm -hmm. And so it's in social media, it's, it's everywhere we look. And part of the challenge of that, of that blog is that I had read, uh, an article about reverse gossip. 
And I thought that was such a fabulous concept because reverse gossip, instead of saying the things that often happen in offices, in small towns, in lots of places, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? And then follow that up by the horrible thing that they did or the rumor that's going around about them or fill in the blank. What reverse gossip tells us is that instead of spreading bad stories, we can spread good stories. Like when I'm talking to somebody else, hey, I just did a podcast with uh, with Captain Jim Palmer. He is this really cool guy. We talked about faith. We talked about how he's been able to go to three days a week doing his business. You should check him out. Uh, so instead of getting caught saying mm. not as good things about people, you're getting caught saying good things about people. And the awesome thing about encouragement is if I encourage you, you get, a, let's say you get a benefit level of 100 if I encourage you. Well, I get a benefit level of 70. I get 70% of the benefit that I give you. That's what the studies say on encouragement. And you mean internally, are, internally internalizing yes. that or, okay. Yep. Yep. Just the act of blessing someone else, of encouraging mm. someone else, you get a, raise, a rise in all the good stuff, in the serotonin, the dopamine, all of that kind wow. of stuff. And then- there's a good chance that that person you encouraged, or at least a percentage of them, are going to encourage you back. So guess what? Why would you not do that? So right. the easy script is negativity, negativity, negativity. But when we choose to go positive, then we then we lift everybody up and we can bless somebody else who I love telling our team in the morning what I've caught somebody else doing in a That's good so way. Cool. It is. Um, so about uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, I had, you know, I maxed out at the 5,000 friends on, the, on my profile page. And um, I made a decision. It's also another me that I, I choose not to be around negativity and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I don't want to be around stressing. And I'm down to 3,600 friends. And some people may say, well, that's harsh, Jim. I don't care. If, if somebody's like posting garbage, unfriend and block them. I don't say, hey, could you tell that? It's not my business. Unfriend and block, unfriend and block. I'm down to 3,600 people. I've been there for oh, quite a while. So I think I'm down to 3,600 people who don't tick me off or spew negativity. Yes. And which is, we could go on and on about that. But it, that is an intentional thing that I've done to try my best in a, in, a, in a negative world to keep myself above the fray, so to speak. So that's pretty cool. Um, so Eric, you recently published a book um, the false sense of urgency and how to win the now. Yep. What what drove you to write this book? Yeah. So this was again. We're going to get back to the pandemic, but uh, I was I was going breakneck pace leading up to the pandemic. My family was going to take a trip to Spain. Uh, my wife and I, my my two kids, were going to go to the southern part of Spain, right on the Mediterranean. Mm. We we're going to have a week there. We we're going to take a, a day trip to Morocco to check out. Tangier and some of the places where James Bond stuff was filmed. And we were just so excited. And then obviously Spain became kind of the epicenter of the, of the pandemic. So yep. I went from knowing what all my days were going to look like schedule wise to nothing. And so we had to close our office. We were still supposed to see emergency patients. So I tried to do that in the mornings. Um, but I made a commitment during that time because I knew I was going to have several weeks of discretionary time, not really sure what to do. So I committed to 30 minutes of quiet a day. 
And for me, that was unbelievable because I never really let my mind slow down even for five minutes. But I just said, I'm going to create this space to just have some quiet, non-noise type space to figure out what this season looks like. How can I maximize this season without running myself into the ground? And through during that, I started journaling a lot. But I had to fight. I had to fight this urge to be super productive. And to me, that's what the false sense of urgency is. Hmm. It's that feeling that tells us not to relax. It's that feeling that tells us that Sunday has to count for more than rest. Right. It's that feeling that tells us that no matter how much we've done, there's a little bit more that we should do. There's a lot of the word should in urgency. And as my dad always told me, never should on you. It gets messy. So, <laughs> so the false sense of urgency is something that we battle. And during, during the pandemic, we were getting inundated as dentists with uh, webinars. I could have watched 30 hours of webinars every single day and not run out of things to watch that were just dentistry, infection control, all that kind of stuff related. So then I thought, okay, here's this urgency. So what do we do? What's the antidote to the false sense of urgency? Because that's always, you should be doing this. What's next? What's next? What's next? And when we are stuck in the past or worried about the future, which is where a lot of people are a lot of the time, we miss out on the only thing that's guaranteed. And that's what's right in front of us right now. So the concept of win the now is what does it look like to get a win in the present moment? Mm. No matter what your present moment is, what does a win look like? So during this half hour and potentially 35 minutes, it looks like it's going to be, which is great. (laughs) Um, But that a win in this moment looks like us having a great conversation, delivering great value for the listeners and just being fully present here. After this, uh, I'm going to be walking back upstairs and seeing some more patients this afternoon. When that's done, I have a date night with my wife, and then we're going out to eat with uh, a couple great friends. So a win in that moment is going to look like pouring into that relationship, having great conversation, hopefully having some good conversation with our servers and stuff like that. So it is just trying to figure out how can we come up with a win in the now? So for me, in my office, I'm scheduled by the 15 minutes all day. That's Mm -hmm. how my day works. So I try to look at what does a win look like in that 15 minutes. And that way, if something happens, if if, uh, it doesn't happen very often, but if somebody doesn't get numb just because that happens, um, it can be easy to look at that as the whole day tanked because of that. But no, we we resolve that, we get them in a good position, and then we step into the next now because there's another win on the way. You have a couple good uh, good 15 minutes of time, all of a sudden you have a win streak going, and everybody loves a win streak. So it's all about, I call win the now the mindset of presence. And the win the now, the win streaks is momentum. That's another word for it. I mean, you start generating this momentum. You know, it's interesting as I shared earlier, I've been on this like three year journey. Um, but the other thing I, that I've been working on, which is again, why I resonated with your book is um, uh, well, in, in the Bible, it says daily bread. It doesn't give you, we're not getting the bread for tomorrow, next week, next month or next year. It's your daily bread. 
and you know, I took the Dale Carnegie course like 35 years ago, and he talked about day tight compartments in the book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And it's like that really is focus on today. This, this morning, I'll, we're going to jump in a quick second, but this morning my RV's in the shop and I'm like, I want my motorhome back, right? And I'm like, well, we, we're not going anywhere for two weeks. And I'm like, so I really don't need it back. Why, why am I worrying about when it's, I'm going to get it back? I don't need it. I won't, you know what I mean? So I'm just said, okay, Jim, just get to it. Focus on the calls you have today. Win, win the day, win the now, and that's it. But it it is a struggle, especially for type A, you know, personalities who are, hard chargers. But um, yeah, I really, uh, I really look forward to reading your book. Um, last thing I'm going to ask you and we'll keep this to just a couple of minutes is you mentioned in chapter five, don't always measure your day. What did you mean by that? Yeah. And that, and that goes, that goes along with it, uh, along with the win the now. So I would, a lot of times my wife would ask me how my day was and I would be super quick to say, well, this person was grumpy or this person didn't come to work, or uh, we had a hygienist that canceled that was sick last minute, so we had to reschedule all these patients. So I had a tendency to look at the worst part of my day, mm-hmm. or I had a tendency to look at, um, you know, some, some days in our business, like all businesses, are more profitable than others. Some days we're doing small things all day long. Um, and I would just look at that one day or that one part of the day, and that is what I would base my day on instead of looking at the bigger picture, instead of saying, oh, hey, I had a wonderful conversation with my two o'clock patients, hmm. or I had a great conversation with uh, one of my front desk team about a patient, and we figured out how to work through a solution. So if you, it's easy to measure your day based on how much you got done or one bad interaction that you have. But the reality is that the day, a day is complex. There's a lot of things going on. And how many wins did you actually get instead of just looking at the tough parts? Yeah. The, the early part of my career was in retail. And, um, you know, I, we could have a day where let's just make a number where we had a hundred customers that loved us and one guy chewed us a new one. <laughs> I always remember the one guy. So oh, uh, I don't know why that is. Well, this is, I knew this is going to be a great interview. I know it's going to be downloaded, watched, rewatched quite a bit. I want to thank you. How can people connect with you, Eric? By the way, again, folks, I always say this goat. Eric has a really, really good blog. Lots of good stuff there, but where do you want them to get the book? Is that at your website? Do you want them to go to Amazon? Yeah, whatever's easier. The cool thing about going to my website is you get to check out all the rest of my stuff. You can check out uh, opportunities to, to hire me as a speaker or a coach. I'm happy to have a, a complimentary conversations about that. But everything is based on uh, based from my website. So www.ericrecker.com. It's got my links to social media. All of that stuff is on there. I did create a five day to five days to knock back burnout challenge. So if you're feeling like you're a little bit burnt out, you can check that out. You'll get a series of five emails that will help give some easy tips on how to push burnout back a little bit. It's completely free, absolutely no obligation. Uh, But yeah, and if you check it out, uh, hit me up in the contacts area. I'd love to start a conversation and see how uh, I can be of help to you. That's awesome. I'm, I didn't get to ask you about your uh, mission trips and so many other things in the book. I Maybe I can get you back in the fall sometime. 
I would love that, Jim. Let's keep the conversation going. Love it. Thanks so much. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Dr. Eric Recker. And again, that's his office. He's got toys down there and everything. So if you're anywhere near him, you, you definitely want him to be your dentist. You can connect with me, by the way, at GetJimPalmer.com. That's my home base, www.GetJimPalmer.com. Remember, a Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. That's DreamBizCoaching.com, DreamBizCoaching.com. And again, you can get a free copy of my latest book, my ebook, Create Multiple Streams of Revenue. It's it's a fabulous read. Believe me, I pull back the curtain in so many ways that make me uncomfortable, but that's just part of my legacy building program. And I also told you, you can get all six of my books for free in digital format. So uh, Amazon, they're obviously Kindle, Barnes and Noble, they're called Nook Books, and they're also in the iBook store, totally free. You don't even have to register. I, I don't even know if you're getting it, but you get quite an education for free. But that's it. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.